Well, I want to direct your thoughts to this evening for a few minutes uh, from, to a few verses from John 1. If you have a Bible or want to grab one from the pew and turn to John 1, and I'll read just our text for this evening, verses uh, 9 through 13. So, John 1, 9 through 13. <clears throat> The true light, which gives light to every man, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to this portion of your word tonight, we ask that you might um, give us insight into what it's teaching us and and presenting and confronting us with. I pray, O Lord, that you would be glorified in all that is said and all of our thinking. And may you help us to... um, Stand in awe again of the great gift of your son given for us. And we ask this in, G- in his name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> We've been working our way this month in other, the other services here through this prologue of John and come to this point. Uh, these uh, th- three or four verses of the true light coming into the world. <clears throat> and I want us to reflect and think about that. Verse 9 is the presentation that the true light is coming into the world. Some translations translate it in a way that it sounds like the focus is on uh, men coming into the world. But that wouldn't fit with the context or with the, uh, the way the verse brings it to us. Because the highlight that John is trying to give us as he's writing this is on, again on the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the wonder of that. He's already talked about him as the word. He's already been referred to as light. Now he underscores that a little bit more and says the true light is coming into the world. Uh, and the challenge for you and for me as we reflect on this and think about this is In a few moments, we're going to see that not everyone welcomed that light. And Jesus is going to say in a a few chapters, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But the light has come into the world to give light to men. And that is presented before you tonight. And the question that you have before you is, how will you react to that light? We're going to see two different instances of people who didn't react very well at all. Uh, But the question is, how do you react to that? The true light, uh, again, presents to us the glory of our Savior. Uh, J.C. Ryle, in his uh, little commentary on John, talks about four aspects of the glory of the true light, which is Jesus Christ, that is coming into the world. He refers, first of all, that Jesus is the undeceiving light. In other words, he has an honest and a true and a glorious message. 
Paul will tell us in 2 Corinthians 4 that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. But he does that to deceive. And he does that to draw people away from Christ. But Christ is the true light who's come into this world to give us light in our lives. The second thing that he makes reference to is that Jesus Christ is the real light, or you might uh, say the fulfillment of the light. All the prophecies of the Old Testament that anticipated the coming of Christ were a pale shadow of who he truly and really was. And the glory of Christ as the fulfillment of all those types and shadows, it's not that those were false prophecies, or it's not that he's the real light or the true light in contrast to a false light. That wasn't it. It's that they prophesied about him and he comes as the the real fulfillment to all those promises that have been laid down before. Uh, A third thing he highlights is that Jesus Christ is the underived light. Every other source of light in the ones in this room, the ones in our world, the ones in our universe are derived lights. They reflect light. Many of them reflect light. But Jesus Christ is the source of light. He has light in and of himself. He has the glorious light in his very nature, in his very being. And he, it's, it's from him that all other light shines forth and A fourth thing that he highlights is that he is the preeminent light. Um, There are many great lights in our our world. But the one that far outshines them all, the one who is worthy of all glory and honor is that of Jesus Christ. He is the glorious light. And the true light coming into the world just highlights again the wonder and the marvel and the mercy of our God who would send that light into our world. But how do people react to that light? How did they react in that day? You know, it's an amazing thing when you're given a wonderful gift. Wouldn't you say thank you for the gift and appreciate it? But this gift is given and men reject it. And we see the rejection of this light in verses 10 and 11 by two different groups. Verse 10, it says, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize or know him. He was in the world and especially with the contrast in the next verse with his own, which is probably Israel. This is probably the Gentile world of people that John is reflecting on. Here we have the Gentiles, the light came even to them. And he was in the world and the world was made by him. He is the creator. He made you. He made me. He made all things. And he was in the world and the world was made by him, but the world uh, did not know him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't understand him. They didn't give him a hearty welcome. They spurned him. They tragically turned him away. In verse 11, we have the other group of people. He came to his own, and his own didn't receive him. 
So the light comes even to the Gentile world. That was particularly Paul's calling to, to get that underway. But he came to Israel first. He came to his own. And those, pe- those uh, people of God who had for centuries been longing for the arrival of the, uh, the Messiah, he came to his own but his own would receive him not. Uh, They turned him away. They rejected him. Why? Why would they do that? Well, Isaiah anticipates their attitude toward the Messiah. In Isaiah 53, he says, he tells us, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We look back, oh, those Gentiles really missed it. We look back and those, the Israelites, they really missed it. But what difference is there in our own day? The light of the world has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. Men spurn that. Do we see anything different in our own day? What about our own lives? Do we welcome this light? Do we embrace this light? Well, the contrast to those who rejected him is that the light is received by some, those in whom God is at work. He says, uh, you know, the, 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 the plan of God is not defeated by the unbelief of men. And uh, the light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. We read earlier in the chapter And in verses uh, 12 and 13, we have, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And then we'll talk about uh, the next verse in just a moment. So to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives a right to become the children of God. There's a blessing to those who embrace him. This is, in a sense, the man side of the, re- the work of redemption. Of course, it's all rooted in God's holy work in our hearts and lives. But when he gives us the gift of faith, we receive Christ. We believe in his name. There are three crucial elements to saving faith, any true faith. It's knowledge, it's assent, and it's trust. We have to know something about him. We have to know who he is, know that he is the light. We have to assent to that. That is, our, in our hearts, we acknowledge this is true. But then we have to commit ourselves to him. Uh, if you have a toddler that has <clears throat> climbed and found their way on top of the refrigerator... And uh, they don't know how to get down. And daddy goes over to them and reaches up his hands to the toddler and says, go ahead, uh, jump down, I'll catch you. 
Well, for the child to be able to do that, they have to know something about this person who said, jump down, I'll catch you. Well, that's daddy. He would take care of me. He won't let me fall. They have to be uh, embracing the truth of that. That's really true. He is that person. I mean, they're not going to be thinking it through like this, but they have to know him. They have to be agree with that, that it's true. But then they have to do the crucial element. They have to commit themselves to him. Uh, They actually have to jump, knowing he's there and going to catch them. When God begins to work faith in us, we have to know who Jesus is. We have to be fully embracing that truth, but we have to commit ourselves to him in faith and in trust. And he goes on to say, he gives the right to become children of God, children born here think of new birth, not of natural descent, not of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. If we embrace by faith the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world that's come, then we have the right to become the children of God, but our birth is not by anything that we can do. It's not by uh, blood. In other words, it's not hereditary. It's not by um, uh, the will of man. It's not by a human's decision. And it's not by a husband's will. That third use of the word man is a word typically used for husbands. In other words, the husband can't say, well, my child's going to be born again. The new birth comes not from anything we accomplish or we do. It's solely and completely a work of God. And it's that which we need to cry out for, we need to pray for. Some of this would have been a real hard pill for the Jews to swallow. They thought their heredity was extremely important. But it's not your heredity. It's not any action on your part that brings salvation to you, but brings the new birth, brings regeneration. It's the work of God. And you and I have to cry out to him for that. The reception Jesus met in his earthly ministry is the same that his present ministry through his church meets. And the challenge and the question for you as you sit here tonight is have you seen that light in the word of God, in the preaching of the word of God, in the fellowship of the church and the saints, have you seen the light that has come through the person of Christ? And do you put your hope in that light? Do you embrace that light as that which can give you true hope and peace in your life? May our celebration of the advent of Jesus Christ be a firm and clear reflection on who he is and embracing that, embracing him as a part of our life that 
that our celebration might not just be superficial, but might have the depth of the reality of a relationship with God. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much for the abundance of your love and mercy to us. Thank you that you sent your son as the light, uh, to the true light to come into this world, that he might show us the path to you, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we come to you through him. May you bless our celebration of his birth and reflecting on that. And may we embrace him by faith and walk in his ways. And may you pour out your grace and mercy and love to us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.